Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I really get the sense that the Georgia fans that I've heard from this week, whether it be just kind of walking around in life or on the show, social media, things like that, I think there's a lot of excitement to be between the hedges tomorrow in Sanford Stadium for Georgia Auburn. We're going to talk a lot about that on the show here today and the energy that seems to be growing for one of these sort of marquee signature home games that we kind of live for. This is a rivalry game a lot of us experienced a lot in our lifetime. It's a chance to renew it on Saturday, and that just sounds really fun. Now, in addition to that, there is also, I think, some curiosity about what we'll see from Georgia and the belief among many fans that Georgia needs to play better against Auburn, even though Auburn itself is not very good needs to play better against Auburn because Georgia frankly didn't play very well last Saturday at Missouri and the week prior to that back at home against Kent State that Georgia an elite team we all believe a national championship contender you've heard us say go for two and 22 that's the mission here for Georgia but the last couple of weeks that hasn't quite been you know the, the scene for for UGA so with that in mind let's set the stage for kind of what we need to see from the dogs in a very big atmosphere around this game on Saturday afternoon. I don't know there's much of a better voice to help us do that than David Pollock. Now, I had known that Pollock had said something interesting this week and had kind of planned on using it here on this Friday, but having a chance to kind of settle in and really listen closely to some of the stuff that Pollock specifically had said about Georgia in a way it has kind of gotten me to reconsider something I said uh, on this show a little earlier this week. So I want to kind of lay this out here for the next couple of minutes. J- David Pollock, I think, expresses about three concerns for Georgia. One of these, the larger point, somewhat intangible, more difficult to measure. Two of these are on the field, much more tangible, and I think you'll find it all to be pretty interesting. So this comes from the ESPN College Game Day podcast. Pollock is on there with Reese Davis. Now, here's what you're going to hear. Reese Davis is going to set up David to talk about Georgia. But I want you to listen to what Reese says here as well, because he becomes another one of these national voices that doesn't seem nearly as alarmed by Georgia's recent play as some UGA fans are. Now, that's worth considering here, too. But then listen to David Pollock's evaluation of maybe why Georgia has found itself in slightly closer games than experts thought they should have been over the course of the last two weeks. This from the ESPN podcast earlier this week. I'm completely unperturbed by Georgia's uh, struggles. I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's a simple case of sleepwalking and knowing they're better than the last couple of teams they've played, and it's just not a big deal. David Pollock, your thoughts? Well, okay. Here, here's what I'll say about that. I might agree that they didn't – I don't think they've taken their last couple of opponents like they should, but I also think there's something to be said about that. That means there's a lot of youth. Like, that means there's immaturity on the team. Like, when you look back at last year's team, I think one of the most important things to one of the things we, we looked at the biggest, we were like, dude, these are a bunch of grown-ups. Jordan Davis, you know, all these guys, they're going to stay in – Devontae Wyatt, they're going to stay in line. They're going to stay on task. They're going to stay focused. The Kobe Dean, they're going to cover the small things that are very important to win. I think now you got a lot of youth. And what happens with youth? You wake up, some days you feel good, some days you don't. Some days you really want to play and some days you don't. Some days you're really motivated. And so I I don't think it speaks well um, for the maturity of the team. So I think that's really interesting. And I want you to consider a couple different angles here. First of all, 
don't discount what Reese Davis says there. I like Reese Davis. I think he does a good job hosting the show. Reese is kind of a Southern guy. You know, he's he's deeply entrenched in college football culture. Like Reese, I've, I've interviewed him many times. Reese is a college football dude, and his perspective on this comes from someone who's just been around the sport for a long time. And when someone like Reese Davis says, hey, I'm not perturbed at all by the fact that Georgia's played poorly the last couple of weeks, he's kind of giving – remember what was it that uh, one of the ESPN writers said this week, a mulligan? Reese Davis is sort of also giving Georgia a little bit of a mulligan. Hey, the standard's not perfection. Georgia hasn't looked great, but they didn't really need to look great. That all of this, according to Reese Davis, may be a little bit inconsequential. That is not the way most of the Georgia fans I've heard from feel. Most of the Georgia fans I've heard from are a little more concerned about the level of play the last couple of weeks, and I understand why you are, but you should at least consider the possibility that Reese Davis, who's a little bit more removed from this, outside the bubble of Dog Nation, you should at least consider the possibility that what he's saying is true, that maybe these kind of recent blemishes or warts, you know, imperfections, Maybe it doesn't really mean anything. Maybe it doesn't matter all that much. You should at least consider the possibility that might be true. But I think you'll also find the words of David Pollack to be pretty interesting right there. That for people who say, ah, Georgia you know, wasn't motivated against Kent State, may not have even really been motivated against Missouri because deep down Georgia knew it couldn't lose. Well, David says, if that's true, speaks right to immaturity speaks right to the youth of this team, speaks right to the contrast between what he calls grown men, Jordan Davis, Devontae White, and Kobe Dean, guys like that, on the 2021 team. And I'm going to credit some of y'all. Some of y'all have been on this topic. I, I got messages after the Kent State game. One in particular stands out to me of somebody who like sent me a side-by-side comparison of you know Georgia beat Charleston Southern by a million points last year. You know UAB, who's a bowl team more often than not, and a conference you know, USA division winner pretty frequently league winner at times uh georgia was 56 7 in that game i think that's the score whatever it was 50 something to you know seven or whatever last year that georgia just didn't play around last season and i think most georgia fans say that speaks to the maturity of that team and david pollock says kind of the same thing of okay well maybe georgia wasn't motivated maybe that's why they played poorly but if you're not motivated then maybe you're not as mature as you need to be i think a lot of georgia fans take that pretty seriously and i'll tell you what this caused me to reconsider Yesterday, we talked about that guy, Brandon Council for Auburn, and the, you know, we're going to demolish Georgia and we're going to sneak in there like a SWAT team and, you know, quiet that place down and then get out. And what I said yesterday on the show is that there are two sides of the same coin in terms of how you respond to this. This speaks to the immaturity of Auburn and the challenge for Georgia is to be the more mature game on the field on Saturday. We said this yesterday. But on the other side, it becomes kind of an invitation for a street fight. Maybe Georgia should take that invitation. I'm not telling you I no longer think that, but I definitely think in light of listening more closely to what David Pollack is saying, maybe the Auburn bulletin board material just kind of comes at the wrong time. Like maybe this is not one of those things that you want to lean heavily into and, and, and treat this as a chance to kind of take your emotions to a fever pitch. Maybe Georgia last week kind of showed some of that immaturity with the pushing and shoving before the game and some of the stuff that went on there, which we've kind of talked about. That, that maybe just being the more mature team and being the team that kind of brushes all this off, maybe that's the right way for Georgia to approach this right now. I'm not saying that there won't be any attempt to use this as motivation, but maybe I just sort of feel a little less fired up about that notion, kind of listening more carefully to a guy like Pollock, who did play the game with a lot of intensity, but also kind of understands the other part of the I guess the professional way that you sometimes have to approach this. I take Pollock's words pretty seriously there. 
But in the midst of also talking about that, David also kind of took it away from the intangible stuff, the the stuff that's more difficult for us to measure, the you know the, the maturity, the, the 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 experience of the team, and also kind of veered into some of the stuff that's also happening on the field too. And I think you'll find this just as interesting. David Pollock from the ESPN College Game Day podcast. I think it, the offensive line got absolutely manhandled, which is a big problem. You need balance. You've got to be able to run the football. I think there's an issue at, at left guard. I think, um, you know, they, they got to find – they've got a bunch of running backs going. I think they need to find their best one or two maybe and stick with their best one or two. Uh, I thought Stetson played okay, but the defense gave up – I think the defense gave up like 200 yards on six plays, something like that. And the rest of the game they gave up, you know, a small number of yards per play. But I think it has something to do to, with focus for sure, Reese. But I also think – this says something about your maturity level, about your leadership, and um, you better get that stuff figured out down the road because if you don't feel like playing all the time, you're going to get your hiney whip. I love it. I mean, I think that David Pollock is delivering exactly the message that Georgia needs to hear. Now, that's not the reason that Pollock is saying that. He's just trying to entertain a podcast audience. Uh, but the message that he delivers is, I think, the one that's probably pretty good for UGA, both in terms of the, the spirit of the team. Hey, maturity focus you know treat every Saturday as the most important game in the world but also kind of some of the uh, evaluative stuff there too uh David doesn't hold back and saying the offensive line kind of got was the word he used manhandled a little bit last week pointing to one of those guard spots in particular where that was an issue you might could have said both guard spots but certainly pointing out one of those guard spots in particular where that was true also David kind of leans into the the possible need to kind of pare down some of the playmakers we've done that on this show related to who George is throwing the ball to I believe they need to throw it to Brock Bowers way more probably Darnell Washington a little more and just kind of figure out who you want to try to deliver the football to uh, but Pollock also does that from the running game as well that right now Georgia does not have an elite level rushing attack and if Georgia's going to be an elite level offense it's got to get more from the rushing attack than what it's getting right now and David says, hey, maybe you need to pare down the number of guys that you're trusting in a spot like that in order to get that done. And he doesn't specify, you know, who would be his guys or, you know, who we would eliminate. He doesn't do that, but he certainly suggests that as a possibility, which once again kind of reflects, I think, a mood and an opinion we've heard from a, from a good number of Georgia fans. The overall bottom line here is those are strong remarks from Pollock. He is acknowledging himself what some of you said you've seen struggles with the offensive line need to be better with the rushing attack need to shore up things with some of the defense he he speaks directly to that but the overarching point from him is hey he's also seen a team that doesn't have a lot of experience and that lack of experience has kind of bred some immaturity well Saturday's a day to be mature I don't care how immature Auburn is and how much you know trash they're talking right now about what they're going to come in here and do that's frankly untethered to reality Georgia on Saturday gets to be the more mature team. If you want to use the Brandon Council trash talk as a little extra motivation, that's fine. But ultimately, what really matters is your intrinsic motivation, your desire to be the best you can be on each and every Saturday. David Pollock says he hasn't seen that from Georgia the last couple of weeks. With that in mind, this Saturday against a hated rival, that would be a good time to show it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, we start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. Available as a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, all kinds of uh, great podcast platforms, really all the places you can find podcasts. You can find our show 
and we're happy that you do that. And we're incredibly grateful to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. Uh, Kroger, great sponsor of ours and has been for a long time. And they've got a great opportunity for you to be aware of, for you and your family here over the course of the uh, upcoming month. It's called Kroger Chef Junior. So if you've got kids, this is an incredible experience for them to be a part of a guided kids cooking experience. I think it's cool to learn how food's prepared and learn how all, all the stuff that goes along with that. And that's one of the things that Kroger's going to do for you, including making tostadas coming up here this month, both on October the 8th, that's this upcoming weekend, and on the 22nd there as well at select Kroger locations. Now, when you join in on the Kroger Chef Junior event, it's a 30-minute class where you kind of learn how to make the, the 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 food item, in this case, the tostada. But you also get some stuff with that there as well. It's an apron and patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, a mixing spoon. It's just $7 per child. And you got two great opportunities to do that this month on the 8th and then on the 22nd. So you can go to the website, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. Kroger Chef Jr. That's the word Jr. spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R. Go to KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. All right, it's Jeff Sintel coming up here in a little bit. It's also uh, around the doghouse here in a second there as well. But let me do one kind of housekeeping thing before we get there. The last Georgia home game was so much fun for me for our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore. they got a great event coming up this weekend. Huge autograph guests stopping by. Uh, Lindsey Scott's going to be there. Vince going to be there. Buck Blue's going to be there. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell's going to be there. So they got a great, great collection of autograph guests taking place this Saturday. But after the game is over with, we're going to be there as well for our Dog Nation postgame show up on the second floor of the UGA Bookstore. What made last home game for me so much fun is, for the very first time ever, we invited a lot of you to come on the show and share your thoughts about Georgia. And you'll remember it wasn't a great game for Georgia against Kent State. But, man, we got some great breakdowns, some great commentary on what had happened there and kind of what needed to be better. And I loved mixing those live comments in with what we were also getting from the folks who joined us on Zoom. And, by the way, your Zoom calls to our show have been wonderful. We have had so much fun having a little bit more interactive version of of the show because when I when all I do is read your comment people don't really learn about you or see what you're all about they don't really kind of see what you have going on there but when you join us live we can kind of talk back and forth a little bit now we're also trying to get a lot of callers on there so you know we don't have unfortunately unlimited time but but we have been able to kind of have the interaction back and forth and we did some of that live and in person last Saturday so here's my invitation Saturday after the game for our dog nation post game show presented by the UGA bookstore, uh, we want to invite you to come and be a part of it with us. So if you're if you're leaving the stadium, hey, just stop by. It's right there next to the Tate Student Center. It's right across from the stadium. Stop by. Come up to the second floor. We'll make a little bit of a call a line if you want to, but we move it through really fast, and we'll, we'll let you pop on. You can share your thoughts about UGA. Hopefully it's all good news, but whatever it is, we'll be ready to cover it. But the point is we want to see you there for that there on Saturday. Help us make the postgame show as much fun as it can possibly be. Your interaction is one of the things that do that. So hopefully on Saturday we'll get a chance to do just that. All right, as I said before, Jeff Sintel talking UGA recruiting here coming up in a couple of minutes. Before that, though, Around the Doghouse, presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And speaking of being at home, Georgia is at home on Saturday. And I want to give a little bit of a challenge to UGA fans. Now, I believe they're going to do this, whether I challenge them to or not, I truly do. But nonetheless, I want to just take a couple of minutes to, to mention this. Georgia really needs you on Saturday. Not need you to win the game or anything like that. We think that Georgia can beat Auburn pretty much no matter what. But based on what David Pollack said there about, hey, immature team needs to kind of grow up a little bit, you know, needs to kind of find itself after a couple of weeks of scuffles. 
why not give the dogs the emotional reboot that maybe they need? Or why not go out and give Auburn the intense response that a rival like that deserves? Let's make Sanford Stadium on Saturday an unbelievable home field advantage for UGA and a miserable experience for Brian Harson and Auburn. We think this could be Harson's last game as the Auburn coach. Let's send him out in style on Saturday with an incredible, incredible atmosphere. And I believe that's going to happen. And if you think back to almost exactly this time a year ago, it was actually one Saturday prior to this. It was the Georgia-Arkansas game. And you remember that day that when Georgia was kind of forced to play a big home game against a good team at noon, and everybody's kind of frustrated about that. But in a lot of ways, that almost became a little bit of a rallying cry for Georgia fans that day of they wanted to create the best noon crowd atmosphere of all time. They wanted to do that. And I think a lot of ways they, they probably did. And what Kirby Smart said about Georgia fans at the end of the Arkansas game, which was almost exactly a year ago. I'd love to hear him say the same thing about Georgia fans after this game on Saturday. Let's give you Kirby as a reminder here of what the standard is for the Georgia crowd on Saturday, this from last season. I think all you guys would admit um, they were elite, and we noticed it. And to come out there in warm-ups, in uh, coming out of the tunnel to look up there and see every seat full at a noon kick. Um, it's special, special to be at Georgia, and they impacted the game. I thought the first series for Arkansas on offense, uh, our crowd was extremely disruptive. I thought our crowd impacted the block punt in terms of cadence and things like that, which forced a touchdown. So I give the, the uh, our, our, our crowds, our fans, at least 10 points, and that's big. Kirby gave you 10 points last season. In a game that Georgia won 37-0, he said 10 points came from, from, from you, from your effort. How many points are you going to get on Saturday? How many points are you going to create for this team? Because, by the way, one of the things that Auburn's been pretty good at doing is actually getting out to leads in SEC play. Got out to one against LSU uh, last Saturday, has done that a few times. Now, <laughs> let's not pay attention to what happens to them after they get these leads. But nonetheless, they've gotten some leads. They've actually gotten off to fast starts and – you know, uh, Doofus, whatever his uh, name is, said that they're going to uh, come out and demolish Georgia. Uh, well, you know, all the more reason for, as Kirby said, to be elite, to be elite as a crowd, to be disruptive, to be special. We know it's going to be a good atmosphere, but is it going to be a special atmosphere? Is that what's going to happen on Saturday? How many points can the Georgia crowd claim responsibility for by the time this game is over on Saturday evening? And what will Kirby Smart say about that crowd when the uh, game is done. I think that's uh, a fun thing to consider. And my sincere challenge to Georgia fans is, hey, do it big. It's a 3.30 start. That's a pretty full day of tailgating. And it's going to be a beautiful day in Athens. Y'all, this is the kind of stuff that makes Athens, Georgia, the University of Georgia, SEC football special. And it's our chance to bask in that on Saturday and make it as fun as we possibly can be. A bunch of recruits going to be on hand to see the show. Put on a show for them. I know that you will. That is Around the Doghouse, and it is presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. As we said, Georgia looking forward to being at home. For some of you, though, you look around and you say, mm, I'm not quite so sure this needs to be my home anymore. You've got exciting things you're considering in terms of maybe a new job, getting closer to family, or whatever your reason might be for wanting to make a move. Well, 
Our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. And for you, that might mean a new home and the need to sell your old house. Or maybe it's time to kind of take that step towards being an investor. That's something you've always wanted to do. You watch the TV shows. You see other folks doing this and you're saying, hey, it's my time to do something like that kind of right now there as well. Well, that's also the kind of new beginning you can explore with our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services there as well. Or, you know, it's a commercial property for your business. Maybe it's expanding that commercial property. That's another thing that Berkshire Hathaway Home Services can help you with there, too. What I love about our friends there at uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, you're talking about, you know, offices all across the state of Georgia, you know, huge number of associates doing hard work. And the experience they gain from having been through this many times they have makes them what I like to think of as sort of a transaction expert. What that means is that the real work in real estate begins once you're under contract. How do you get that contract to the closing table? How do you make it a satisfactory outcome for both parties in the agreement, a win-win solution that kind of keeps these deals held together and makes everybody feel good about the process? Berkshire Hathaway Home Service understands all about that. So if you've got a need to sell a house, buy a home, make an investment, get involved in commercial property, this is the time to do that. The best time for new beginnings is right now with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Find them online at bhhsgeorgia.com. That's bhhsgeorgia.com. All right, good to have you here today. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Oh, we got a really funny thing from George. This is actually pretty well done uh, that we're going to show you before the show is done. I don't think it means anything. I'm not going to get drawn off sides by this, but I do think it's fun nonetheless. And so we'll do that before we're done on today's show. But serious business prior to that massive list of recruiting visitors uh, for Sanford Stadium tomorrow. What we believe is going to be an incredible, special, elite atmosphere. Who does Georgia have a chance to impress on the recruiting front? Let's find out right now from our recruiting insider, Jeff Sintel, as we go on the road with Jeff, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Jeff Sintel here on the road, assisted by AAA, and want to talk to him a lot about the recruiting visitors going to be on tap for the uh, dogs tomorrow. And Jeff, these are this is sort of one of those kind of perfect storm type things of, hey, we're kind of into October, the weather's really nice, the 3.30 start makes it a little bit easier for players who played on a previous Friday night. It's a kind of a you know, Auburn's not very good, but it still sort of sounds like a big game, Georgia versus Auburn. This is fertile soil for big-time visitor lists, and Georgia's got about as good as one as you're going to be able to put together, at least based on some of the online chatter that I have seen thus far. So sets up to be a very big recruiting day for Georgia tomorrow, does it not? Hey, Brandon. Hey, man. Good morning, everybody. I would say this, Brandon, the online chatter is chattering. Uh, and what it's chattering about is, Let's see, Georgia kind of topped off its wide receiver needs about a week ago with Tyler Williams. He'll be there. Um, probably what's left for the class. How about some edge rushers? How about some running backs? Uh, Damon Wilson, five-star edge, will be there out of Venice, Florida. Samuel Mpemba, five-star edge out of IMG Academy. Native of St. Louis will be there. But here's this neat little tidy bow. We have a little thing called Before the Hedges every Wednesday where every Wednesday we – rattle off the top targets that we feel Georgia has to get involved with, has to sign to produce its optimum recruiting class. But in all five, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, they're all expected to be there this weekend. And, oh, yeah, it also feels like the entire top ten of the class of 2025 is also planning to be in Athens on Saturday as well. So you got the 2023s for the uh, 
the visions of Bulldogs' future and present, and then you've got 2025 for the far future Bulldogs down the line. So you mentioned, and you see some of those, uh, a great job by our producer Michael Carvel getting some of those names uh, on the list there that are going to be on hand for that with official visitors. I want to focus on one of those there for a moment. When it comes to uh, Roderick uh, Robinson, the uh, running back who's UCLA commit, and you know, running back's been kind of a hot topic around Georgia as of late. And when Georgia kind of missed on Justice Haynes, you were kind of left to wonder, okay, what does that mean for Georgia at the running back position here in this cycle? And it was kind of unclear at the time. And it seems like you know the Georgia relationship with Robinson's kind of flourished somewhat, somewhat since then. I guess give me some intel here on Robinson taking the official, but also just a little bit more on him as a player. How does he fit into what Georgia has, what Georgia needs? You know, you know, what is your kind of feeling about Robinson as a running back overall? Um, well, let's just cut straight to the heart of the entree here, uh, Brandon. Um, big bat, 230 pounds, 6'1", 230. And if you follow Georgia's recru- recruiting, Georgia recruiting as closely as I do, and I bet you do, um, you sit there and you go, you know, Georgia's backs for the last few years have had some archetypes. There's been the flashy third-down guy, James Cook, DeAndre Swift, um, Dejon Edwards even right now, Kenny McIntosh right now. And there have been the power guys. You see Branson Robinson is a power guy. Kendall Milton is a power guy. Zamir White, even though he had that 4-4 speed, was probably seen as more of a between-the-tackles guy. Immediately when you look at Roderick Robinson, we must preface all this conversation with the one of Brandon's um, sponsor-type disclaimers that we must report right now that Roderick Robinson is currently committed to the University of California, Los Angeles, and he's currently a Bruin. That having been said, he visited Texas A&M last week. Del McGee came to visit him uh, for his high school game last Friday night. Lo and behold, Roderick Robinson is at Georgia for his official visit this weekend. I think that's big, Brandon. I think that's big because, one, Georgia has an opening. Um, and running back for this class, I think number two, is that, you know, one of the things you're reporting and when you dig up things about Roderick Robinson, you want to know, okay, is he's 230 pounds. Is he fast? Well, we've got information that he's been laser-timed in the 4.58, 4.56 range in the 40. Number two, can he catch? It seems like Todd Munkin's offense is evolving uh, to where they like those extended handoffs a lot with their backs. Well, it turns out um, his head coach at high school at Lincoln High, former uh, home of Terrell Davis and Marcus Allen as high school backs, mind you. He played receiver in the NFL, kick return in the NFL. He says those hands are solid, stamped. He even plays some slot receiver for his team. Uh, Brandon, the thing I really want to kind of shout from the rooftops here about Roderick Robinson, I think that makes him a little bit different, is he qualifies the biggest check that Dell McGee has always looked for, that Kirby Smart has always looked for, and that's that big back capable of grinding out those tough fourth-quarter yards in the SEC. Here's a stat for you, my man. He has 1,500 yards rushing so far this year. That's seven games, and that's 12.4 yards per carry. Man, all that sounds great. But here's the thing that Del McGee looks for. Those are the dog yards. If a play is blocked up to get five yards and you get six, well, there's a lot of backs. Every back in the country, Georgia recruits, can get that. But if the play play is blocked up to get four or five yards, and that bat gets seven, eight, nine yards. Those extra yards are called dog yards. Roderick Robinson has 800 yards of those 1,500 this season, Brandon. After first contact, that's the definition of dog yards. That's why I think all those many reasons uh, tidied up together, 
or why I think this is a big official visit for Georgia. And I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but it's kind of interesting. Like these are the backs that Del McGee seems to really gravitate towards, as opposed to like say an in-state name like a Jamarian Wilcox, who's maybe a little bit more of a speed type player, and maybe to use your phrase, a little bit less of a dog yard type player, but certainly a guy that that knows how to turn on that speed. Given the choice, you know, it seems like McGee sort of leans more in the the direction of a guy like Robinson, and maybe less in the direction of a guy like Wilcox, because Robinson just sort of, to me, looks more like the running backs that Georgia already has. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Branson Robinson specifically, and Andrew Paul was. You know, I'm 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 kind of I kind of wish folks could have gotten to see a little bit of Andrew Paul this year. He was turning a lot of heads in camp. People were saying he was probably inching ahead of Branson Robinson as well in fall camp because he was impressing a lot of guys. And he's another 225-pound back. But you look at George's depth chart and you figure this is an NFL resume year for, for Kenny McIntosh, and you figure that you know Kendall Milton still has this stuff and would test very well uh, with you know great close back after the season to also have an NFL early entry type, type look to his game as well. And then it leaves Georgia with – Dejon Edwards, Brandon, who I think probably might arguably be perhaps the best back Georgia has right now. And then you've got a guy like um, Paul. You've got a guy like Robinson. And then you're seeking out this next Robinson, and you're wondering, okay, has Georgia kind of got too many dress shoes in the closet and not enough, you know, evening night on the town type loafers or whatever? And I think that's what a lot of those things you wanted to find out about Roderick Robinson really mattered. You know, can he catch? Is he fast? Does he have wiggle? Well, he's kind of got all of that. He's kind of showed all of that on tape uh, for uh, Lincoln High School in San Diego, California, right now. So, for a back, for, you know, Brandon, this is let's be clear. Let's stamp this the way it is, historically matter of fact. Prior to this month, October, Georgia had never gone past mid-September, and I think in names like DeAndre Swift, I think in names like uh, uh, Elijah Holyfield, way back when in that first recruiting class. Del McGee always had a featured anchor back for the University of Georgia committed by mid-September. And now you've got Georgia already into the first week of October without that running back commitment. Of course, there's reasons why. Georgia went after Reuben Owens. Georgia went after Richard Young. Georgia went after Justice Haynes. There were some swing and misses there for a myriad of reasons. But now here we are in October. Uh, Brandon, there's also going to be Jordan Louie in the house, uh, another back that moved into the state of Georgia a three-star back currently committed to West Virginia, uh, picked up a lot of interest lately, and North Carolina has been on him hard lately. That's another guy who tells me if Georgia was to offer that, he would really have to seriously reevaluate his recruitment. So I think October, especially October, November, is going to be big for Georgia in finding those finding those new wave, Munkin, Dale McGee kind of hybrid backs for the Georgia offense. Let me also say this in your reporting from going back to before the hedges on Wednesday, guys like Chris Peel, Jordan Hall, Sam and Pemba, you really get a sense of what this defensive class can look uh, for in the class of 2023. I mean, if Georgia's not in good shape with Mpemba after he's seen him play nine weeks in a row, I don't know what to tell you. And then, you know, Peel and uh, Hall's a guy you've talked about plenty that you certainly seem to have the ability to identify who are those big remaining targets of the dogs on the defensive side of the ball, don't you? Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, good point of clarity there, Brandon. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I was making the joke with some of the scribes that cover uh, the Georgia football team on a day-to-day basis. I think Pemba has seen Georgia as much as some beat writers have over the last month, month and a half, because uh, he was there for Stanford. He was there for Missouri. He's planned to be in Athens again for – 
Auburn, Gabe Harris is going to be there. And, and really so many little subplots and little stories. Chris Peel, for example, Brandon. Um, Peel was a guy, I visited him in North Carolina. He was a guy that he kind of felt was Georgia. He, he took an official visit to Georgia in June. That was the only one he took. But then he told me he really wanted to also check out NC State and Michigan, maybe one other school. And Michigan was, Michigan was kind of seen to be that team to watch especially because it seems like Michigan is right in that top two, top three for five-star 2024 quarterback Jaden Davis, who also plans to be in Athens on Saturday. And you kind of got the feeling that maybe Peel was kind of trending towards Michigan. What Georgia needed to do there was kind of some um, recruitment over the last couple months saying, you know, we just don't see you as a star or a safety. We see you as a guy that can play corner as well. And Brendan Peel has got the, the gears, man. He has got the legs. He's got the speed. He's a true low 4-4, high 4-3 type guy. Speed, got size, plays a lot on offense for his high school team. And that was a, that was a recruitment that we feel has kind of shifted kind of back towards Georgia lately. You even see Michigan insiders now uh, pointing out their, their projections, their crystal ball, their forecast, whatever you want to say, on the Michigan beat, now pointing their crystal balls and their recruiting predictions toward Georgia as well. So, Brandon, that's another big visit. Big Baby is a huge visit for Georgia's ideal defensive line. I mean, really, when you think about it, considering the swing and misses, the swings and misses and some hits of that first weekend in June, that's the one where, you know, Arch Manning came, T.J. Shanahan came, Caleb Downs came, A.J. Harris came, Pierce Sperling came. And there were some swing and misses there in that, in that class for sure. Throw Justice Haynes in that as well, that official visit class. So you take that one. You think about the track record there, and then you look at this weekend with all the names, especially a lot of 2025 names where Georgia can really make some headway with these guys. And it does look like the biggest uh, on-campus recruiting recruiting weekend of the year so far. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Another name that you mentioned uh, was the 2024 quarterback, Jane Davis, or at least you've reported that, the 2024 quarterback, Jane Davis, being on hand. And yet this comes at a time in which we're also hearing – about, you know, I guess sort of broadening the horizon here with a little bit when it comes to quarterback recruiting in 2024, the young man out of uh, Connecticut, uh, uh, Ryan uh, Puglisi, I believe I'm saying that right, Ryan Puglisi, seems like he's kind of starting to get some some talk here. So it looks like that the situation for George when it comes to 2024 quarterbacks may have changed a little bit. Davis on hand this weekend, but all of a sudden there's, I guess, growing chatter in other circles too. Yeah, but I don't know if it was a change of direction. I think Ryan Puglisi has kind of always been in that top three, that upper crust there for Georgia at quarterback. You feel like now he's a little bit more mobile than like a Julian Sayan. Uh, he's a, he, he, now Jaden Davis is obviously very mobile as well, but you know you see Julian Sayan just took a visit to LSU recently. I'm gonna tell you, Brandon, this Ryan Puglisi kid. He plays some baseball. He's about six three. He's about two hundred pounds. He, he's from Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. He plays for a prep school in Connecticut, Avon Old Farm. Brandon, he's coming next weekend for the Vanderbilt game. And you know what, Brandon? If you wanted to have a story, if you wanted to have a recruiting storyline to think about for next week for Vanderbilt, there it is right there. A potential future Georgia quarterback commitment, perhaps. He's bringing his old family uh, to Georgia that weekend. Big arm, Brandon, 6'3", kind of prototype size. Had some great workouts for Georgia. He worked out for Munkin. Um, they got he got to visit Georgia over the summer as well, and really, Brandon, talking to him, it really sounds like his options are Georgia, 
Alabama. Michigan State is also there as well. But, you know, really, he tells me kind of privately, he's got a private leader in his back pocket that that's the school he's been thinking about for some time. The only school he's visiting right now, planned to visit right now, is Georgia. That's why I think the Puglisi name is something folks got to get used to their phonetics and get used to saying because he's certainly a name to know in the 2024 class when it comes to quarterback. You want to talk about culture shock coming from, uh, you know, being from Massachusetts, going to school in Connecticut, coming down here for an official visit to Georgia. Now we've also kind of seen this like Xavier Trust coming out of Rhode Island. So we've seen unusual states produce SEC players before, but the high school story up there in Connecticut, very different than what he's going to experience or a lot of the, uh, these other guys are experiencing down here in Georgia. And certainly the the game day atmosphere, I don't know quite that Jim Moore Jr. and the Huskies are creating the kind of atmosphere that he expects to see when he travels down here to UGA. So those will be fun quotes to read of just how maybe wide-eyed a guy like this is from coming from the Northeast, where obviously college football is a very different kind of thing, down here to the Southeast. And honestly, that's probably what's attracted him to SEC country, maybe even Georgia in particular. But well, it'll be interesting to see the state of Georgia and the landscape in the SEC through his eyes after you know growing up and being around a region of the country where things are very, very different from a football standpoint. I mean, you got to throw Devin Willock as well, well in there, Brandon. I mean, we wouldn't call them the Cape Cod dogs maybe or – Nor'easter dogs or whatever, but there's there's a few names now that when we started doing this many years ago, Brandon, we never thought that they'd be over under five dogs, four dogs from the from the northeastern part of the United States uh, coming to play their football in Athens. All right, it's our on the road assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today, and of course I'm traveling a lot here this weekend, going to Carrollton tonight for a great high school football game between the Trojans and East Coweta, and then over to Athens tomorrow. When I'm kind of sort of cutting back and forth across the state like that you better believe i'm happy to have that triple a membership card in my pocket just in case anything goes wrong but that's not the only way in which triple a helps us in if moments in which things kind of don't go the way they're supposed to that's what they also do when it comes to insurance there as well specifically with your auto insurance and you can get more from triple a more coverage more benefits everything else including how about this how about small claim forgiveness there as well claim free rewards the disappearing deductible all kinds of cool things that come your way when you get that insurance through triple a auto insurance in particular in particular so make sure you're covered make sure you got the coverage that you need our friends at triple a can do that for you you can get an insurance quote today by giving them a call 833 833- 3-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. And Jeff, in the little bit of time we have left here, I guess let's do kind of a quick preview on this because one of the guys that's actually going to play tonight and then be in Athens tomorrow is the wide receiver on the side of things from East Coweta, Brady Tillman. This is a guy that's got 600 yards receiving already this year, already got 11 touchdowns. East Coweta's got a very good quarterback that will be obviously featuring tonight. But I think there's a lot of curiosity about uh, Juju Julian Lewis, the freshman quarterback, who in my mind is probably the most talked about freshman quarterback in our state, maybe since Trevor Lawrence. Now we'll see junior, senior, how he compares to guys like Gunnar Stockton and, and Brock Vandergriff and, and players like that. But in terms of the buzz, he's already generating. I think you probably have to go back to Lawrence to find someone who was this talked about in his first year of high school. And I think tonight, when you think about Lewis on the side for uh, Carrollton, when you think about, as I mentioned before, you know Tillman, a great receiver and a part of a high-powered offense for East Coweta, this should be quite a show tonight on Peachtree TV. Yeah, Brandon, it's one of those that's going to draw the recruiting reporter back onto the sidelines with you guys as well, back onto the back to the venue as well. And you know, the thing about Juju is you, you kind of want to balance yourself as a objective reporter that's doing this, for, been doing this for a long time, not too much, 
not too soon. You know, the numbers he has were, and then if you project them out through four seasons, they look like they're going to get in that Gunnar Stockton, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson type state records category. I think it's the way he delivers the football, the arm talent he shows, the acumen he shows, the thinking brain for the position. And, you know, when you want to sit there and say, you know, too much too soon for Juju, what, what I do is when I kind of look at it, I kind of go back to a baseline. And here's the common thread. The head coach at Carrollton, Brandon, that's Joey King. I don't need to tell you who was the head coach sure. of Trevor Lawrence when he was at Carter, sure. Cartersville. So you've got kind of a common thread there, that which makes you think the same guy that guided and trained and developed a guy like Lawrence through all this hype, through all this hoopla, through all these expectations and projections, that's the same guy working with Juju Lewis now. I've been hearing about him for about two and a half years now, Brandon. That's how talented he is. I've seen him at the All-American games, the Under Armour things. I've seen him work out uh, with notables like Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, everything else like that. So, you know, this is a guy that's got the pedigree. And, you know, some things stick out. Like, there was a there was a recruiting stat that got thrown out. Juju Lewis has visited ever recently. He's visited Alabama. He's visited Texas. Uh, I saw a stat that really is a pretty good snapshot of where Juju Lewis already is. He's the first quarterback to get an offer uh, from the from the University of Texas, the Hook'em Longhorns from the state of Georgia, since Justin Fields. And, and that's pretty impressive. That's mighty impressive for a program that far out, but has the prestige of Texas when, let's face it, Brandon, everybody air bombs these quarterback offers out really early with these quarterback prodigy, prodigies or whatever. And for the University of Texas, a site that covers the University of Texas, to say only two quarterbacks in modern recruiting history have gotten an offer that came from the state of Georgia, and those are Justin Fields and J.J. Lewis, and excuse me, Juju Lewis, and Juju is just a freshman. That's a lot to talk about already. It is indeed the case. We'll see it tonight, Peachtree TV, streaming at CBS46.com. And, of course, a uh, big, big day in Athens tomorrow with a lot of elite recruits on hand for that. So busy football weekend, would not have it any other way. Jeff, thanks for helping us cover that as a part of being on the road, assisted by AAA, and we will look forward to seeing you tonight uh, over there in Carrollton and then in Athens there tomorrow. All right, man. Take it easy. Everybody drive safe. See you on Saturday. Thank you, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff from Jeff Sintel about what's going to go down tonight and with the recruiting stuff throughout the weekend. We'll also have our official picks for the games here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to be ready for all of this, whether it be the little short cruise I have coming up in December. I got another seven night cruise coming up in February. I'm really looking forward to that. Got the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. Who knows? I may try to squeeze in a couple more uh, cruises here, there, sometime in the future, too. I was kind of noticing that some of my uh, tan starting to go away here. So that's a reminder to me that it's time to get back to the Bahamas, time to get back on those uh, Caribbean waters again. My goal is to stay as tan as possible as long as possible so uh let's make sure we get a chance get back on a royal caribbean cruise ship so we can do just that and of course you have a chance to do that same thing too hopefully you'll take lots of royal caribbean cruises here coming up as we head towards the new year but certainly want to see you in april with us on board independence of the seas leaving out of port canaveral there on uh, april 24th and going to nassau on the bahamas going to perfect day coco k getting a great experience 
just enjoying all the fun things that you can do on board Independence and Seas, especially restaurants, and of course a chance to visit the private island oasis that is Perfect Day Coco Cay and all the incredible stuff that goes along with that. But also, there are going to be special Dog Nation events there too. One of the most fun things I did last year was that draft party we had high atop the very top of one of those decks. It was kind of it's almost like a like a rooftop type bar situation that we had for our NFL draft party last year and all the dog fans were there and every time the Georgia player got drafted there's this huge ovation that goes up everybody on the ship thought we were crazy but we were having a great time and that's what it's all about so we want you to be a part of that for us here right now our good friend Jessica Slater this is a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean can help get you booked up on this now it's amazing the response we've already had obviously the cruise is still several months away many months away but it's amazing the response we've already gotten to this so Get in there, get involved in this while you have an opportunity to do so. You can call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also uh, visit a website that she's built specifically for our cruise. It's royaldogs.com, royaldogs.com. We did the first one last year. It was amazing. Our second ever cruise with Dog Nation comes up this spring, leaving out of Port Canaveral on April 24th. And we want you to be a part of it. Jessica Slater is going to help you do that. So call her, 770-718-9147, or visit royaldogs.com for a lot more on that. All right, let's make our official picks for the games this weekend. Normally, I do this on Go With The Flow on Fridays with our friends at RS Andrews. I had to miss this week's show. I had to step away from work on Wednesday. That's the day we typically record that show. So I've kind of shared some early thoughts on this, but we'll make our official picks here right now, starting with Georgia who has kind of floated somewhere around being a 30 or a 29-point favorite, depending on kind of where you see this, what time of the week there at my bookie, in terms of, you know, kind of where you've seen all of that go down. I did a little bit of research on this. We know that Georgia, when it's been favored by 40 or more points at home, has actually failed to cover an eight straight of those opportunities. So the big gigantic spread for Georgia has not worked out quite so well. So I try to look at, okay, what's below that number? Give me between, like, say, 29 and 35 points. That's about where this line's kind of floated here this week. And in the Kirby Smart era, Georgia 2-3 and three at home when favored somewhere between 29 and 35 points. I'm doing this against the spread. Now, they're 0-2 in those situations in SEC play, failing to cover as a 30-point favorite last year against South Carolina. Go back to the Tennessee game in 2018. So the very big spreads have not been automatic for UGA, but I do like Georgia minus the big number on Saturday. Now, try to get it as low as you can, obviously, so shop around or or, or try to time this just right to get that with our friends at my bookie. But um, I'll take Georgia to cover the big number on Saturday. A lot of this for me is a referendum on Auburn, who I don't think is very good. Credit to them, they haven't quit yet. But also, let's face reality, they know the Harson era is coming to an end and bright fires burn out the quickest. They've gotten off to fast starts the last couple of weeks. If that does not happen for them on Saturday, then they may simply be looking for a soft spot to land. You never feel great about such a large number. That creates a high-variance game, but... For the purposes of our conversation here, I'm going to take Georgia minus the big number. I'm also going to take Tennessee on the road at LSU. That's been around three. You might actually find that at two and a half as of the time we're recording this uh, here on this Friday afternoon or late Friday morning. So once again, the line matters when you're talking about a key number of three points. But here is my take on Tennessee. You'll remember that I said hosting Florida a couple of weeks ago, a team they hadn't beaten since 2016, were they ready to now all of a sudden make it look easy against Florida and win that game by double digits? We said at the time, no, that's a little too much too soon. 
I don't think this, though, is too much too soon for Tennessee. I think they are ready to go on the road. They haven't been favored in this spot against a top 25 level opponent uh, in SEC play in quite some time. This sort of speaks to what has been a, a pretty inept program, but they've clearly improved and the undefeated record thus far this season speaks to that, you know, being much better than folks would have expected a year ago speaks to that there as well. And frankly, I don't think it's that tall of a task to beat this LSU team right now. We said for LSU going into last Saturday's game at Auburn, we were going to need to see them show us something. We were going to need to see them prove something there in that spot. One of our best bet picks for last week was the LSU team total under. It was set at 27 and a half last week and LSU didn't come close to approaching that. We simply don't think LSU is very good. So, at home, early crowd for a Tennessee team that kind of needs a little bit more of a marquee-type performance. I don't know that the Pitt game earlier this season provided that. The Florida game was probably beneath expectations. This is a chance for Tennessee to really demonstrate how much it has improved. And with Alabama looming, I don't expect this to be a look-ahead spot. If anything, I expect this to be a galvanizing point of they want third Saturday in October to be as big as it can be and mean as much as possible. I think Tennessee takes its best swing at LSU on Saturday, and that's good enough to cover the number. We have it at three. You might find it, you know, two and a half if you if you look carefully. I'll take Alabama minus the twenty-four against uh, Texas A&M, just simply from the standpoint that I don't believe A&M's good enough to score points right now. And Alabama being at home, they may actually be more motivated because of a backup quarterback. This is the, around the time of the year in which Alabama typically gets it going pretty well. Even if Bryce Young doesn't play, I'm sure they are more than happy to give A&M its best shot because they lost on the field last year. There was the offseason drama, which may matter here, may not. But what matters more than anything is A&M just can't score points. Now, you've still got the really good running back in Devin Chain, but uh, when you talk about trying to feature him in a game in which you may be playing from a deficit, that gets really hard to do. All of a sudden, by the way, now too, the other thing that becomes a huge factor here is uh, Max Johnson appears to be injured. There's a lot of reporting that Johnson's going to be hurt and not able to play. That means you're going back to Haynes King here in this game. And we all know how that's worked out earlier for Texas A&M. So uh, the time to get in on this may have been earlier this week. You may see that number climb in favor of Alabama as you head towards Saturday because all of a sudden for an A&M team that can't do anything offensively, they are now without Max Johnson, who they'd kind of settled in on as their starting quarterback. And then quickly, our final thoughts here. The game I like the most of all this weekend is Arkansas on the road at Mississippi State. Now, we have this as an eight-point number, but if you look my bookie today, you actually see this as nine. I'm actually going against uh, where, the, uh, where the game is going right now, the uh, movements in the favor of Mississippi State. And I just think this is a huge overreaction. I am not going to downgrade Arkansas greatly over the course of the last three weeks. Yes, they played poorly against Bobby Petrino three weeks ago, but I believe even though they lost Texas A&M two weeks ago, they were probably the right side to be on. If not for a 14-point swing on a fumble at the goal line and a missed field goal at the end, that game feels completely different. I'm not going to get obsessed with the result when the process for Arkansas actually looked pretty good that day. And I'm also not going to hold getting beaten up by Alabama against them either I still sort of have Arkansas where I had them regardless of the results the last three weeks and a couple of weeks ago you would have seen Mississippi State at home as about a three-point favorite against Arkansas all of a sudden now they're eight or nine depending on where you might see this that's overvaluing what Mississippi State has done although I do think they're a quality team and undervaluing what Arkansas still is after two straight losses on the field I think there's incredible value in the Hogs here and I'll take them there in that spot. I'll also tell you this, uh, the the game day game is Kansas TCU. This is kind of one of the showcase national games this week. I'll take Kansas plus the seven. This is a little bit of a flyer for me on that, just simply from the standpoint, 
a team like TCU that expended a lot of emotion in blowing out Oklahoma last week, now going on the road into what's probably going to be a pretty uh, jacked-up Lawrence, Kansas here for this game. That's enough for me to take the seven points. I don't have a strong feeling on that, but I will take Kansas plus the seven. As far as kind of the board picks that we typically do, coming away from the games that we all pick and kind of focusing on anything from the board, I had a hard time this week finding anything I liked all that much. I am going to take the under in South Carolina, Kentucky. That's a total at 46.5 right now for a game that was 16-10 a year ago, Kentucky getting the win there. Will Levis supposedly now is healthy. There had been some talk that he might not be healthy. Supposedly he is healthy. I think either way, this is a Kentucky team coming back home that's probably content to try to be a little bit more traditional Kentucky here, lean on the running game, try to be physical. I think for South Carolina, who needs to try to pull an upset here, they may be content to do that as well. We'll see defensively they can hold up in a game like that. But I'm going to take a flyer on under 46.5 for Kentucky, South Carolina. That's kind of my board pick there. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We'll also tell you that if you think you can make better picks than me, you probably can. Well, this is a great time to do that with our friends at MyBookie. So here's what you need to do. You need to find MyBookie online, and you need to use the promo code DOGNATION. So when you kind of type in MyBookie in your browser, and it'll do the work for you. It'll get you to MyBookie. Uh, you can use the promo code DOGNATION, and after that, you sign up for your account. And then whatever money you put in there, let's say you put $400 in your account. Well, MyBookie is going to make you a winner before you even win your first bet. They're going to double that initial deposit for you. You put in $400, they are going to put $400 in for you. Now you've got $800 in your account. You're literally a winner before you make your first bet. Then after that, it's winning season at MyBookie. You can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. That's what MyBookie provides for you. So uh, take advantage of what folks have been doing for a long time. Make the games more fun here this weekend. Get a little action down on the game. Show how much you know about these games, whether it be the stuff on Saturdays, the pros on Sunday, whatever else. Our friends at MyBookie are there for you, and you can get that account opened up. You can get the big initial deposit bonus, but you've got to use the promo code DOGNATION, all one word, spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G. Yeah, there you go. Spelling never my strong suit. D-A-W-G. You can check out Dog Nation today uh, with our friends there at my bookie. All right, back here on uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We're going to turn our attention back to the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment. I thought this was really funny. So I'm not going to read too much into this. I think it's just being done for fun. But y'all should check out the uh, UGA football uh, Instagram, UGA football equipment account on Instagram. They had a very funny, what they called uniform reveal. And we're going to show you this in kind of like three panels here. So this is like the first one. It sort of starts with the silver britches and you have kind of like the red hue glowing on those. And then as the video kind of pans up, all of a sudden where the jersey would be revealed, they do the kind of cut into the Aaron Judge home run. This is obviously mockery of the fact that so many college football games were interrupted by Aaron Judge's pursuit of 62 home runs, which he finally got. And I actually, I think the Judge story is kind of cool, but I do understand college football fans being so frustrated about having their games interrupted. So this is what UGA football equipment was kind of making fun of. And then they show you the red helmets. And obviously the joke here is that they don't show you the jerseys. Is this a throwback to 2007? Will Georgia wear the, wear the black jerseys at home on Saturday? I'm sort of guessing that's not what this is. I think this is just them having a little bit of fun, which they certainly have the right to do. Uh, I wouldn't hate it if they did wear the black jerseys on Saturday because I think it'd be kind of a, a cool throwback. But uh, nonetheless, that's not what I think this is an indication of. I think this is just them kind of making fun of the Aaron Judge meme. But nonetheless, uh, kind of a fun throwback to an Auburn game of the past and kind of some fun mockery of a topic that college football fans certainly grew plenty tired of, which was uh, Aaron Judge interrupting their college football on Saturday. So good job by the UGA football equipment account on Instagram for that. And by the way, speaking of the weekend, 
as we head toward the weekend. A great chance for us to provide you the big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink. Now, what I love here is some of you are like, hey, B.A., I love Finish Long Drink on the weekend. But I also like my weekend to start a little earlier because when you go into a big football weekend, why not start it as soon and early as you could? In fact, let me uh, showcase this here because I think this is really funny. Uh, Max Kleifelter on uh, Twitter reaches out and say, uh, BA, is uh, Thursday night too early to start programming on the, uh, pre-gaming on the West Coast? Uh, Max, indeed, it is not. And you see the uh, cool book he's got there with uh, the George Bulldog looking good and the Auburn and Florida mascot not looking anywhere near as imposing, anywhere near as tough and physical. So uh, Max has got his head in the right place, heading towards Saturday, and got the finished long drink ready to go there too. So he is ready to roll for the weekend. In fact, there's no reason why a weekend can't start on Thursday. And for all I know, when it comes to time zones, things like that, maybe in California it is already the weekend. So uh, Max, you are more than ready to go for the weekend here. Love to see you enjoying that finished long drink. We appreciate you being a part of the big finish presented by the finished long drink here today. And by the way, if you want to do that too, but you're saying, well, BA, I'd love to try this finished long drink, but I've never seen it. I don't know how to get it. I got great news for you. If you go to the website, thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can get some. You can find out about the uh, different varieties, whether it be the cranberry or the Long Drink Strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, the Long Drink Zero, which is no carbs, no sugar. You want the Long Drink Traditional, comes in a blue can, has kind of like that citrus grapefruit-type flavor with a great gin kick to go along with that. It's a mixed drink right there in a the can, easy to enjoy. Just pop the top, pour it into a glass, or drink it straight out of the can. It's delicious, and you can try some today, and you can find out at thelongdrink.com where you can pick some up and be ready to go with that as we do the big finish each and every Friday here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Something else we do every day, uh, and that is our golden shoes, celebrating all the fun stuff that goes around here, typically reserved for mocking the lousy stinging gators, and we are certainly going to do that. But on Saturday, you also have the Deep South's oldest rivalry to consider as well, and that's what our golden shoe is in honor of today. Uh, Coach Yeah checking in on Twitter to say, oh, that's actually evil, Coach Yeah, checking in to say that it's Auburn Hate Week. Hashtag go dogs. Hashtag beat Auburn. And that meme, I'm not actually sure where this came from, uh, but a lot of people do this kind of thing where it's like, I don't care for Auburn, which I think is really great. And you see Ugga back in 1996 reaching up to take a bite out of Robert Baker, the Auburn wide receiver. I mean, I don't know that there's any image anywhere that speaks to the Georgia Auburn rivalry more so than that great one does there. Harry Dog holding that up. A good job by Evil Coach Yeah will make you a golden shoe winner for today. That is great stuff. And by the way, speaking of Georgia's other hated rival and the one we think that Georgia hates the most, the lousy stinking Gators. How about 5,020 days from right now? Or I should say that 5,020 days. That's how long it's been since Florida's won a national championship. Bask in that ineptitude here for a moment. And 22 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on Florida again. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. Hope you all have a great weekend. Hope to see you on Saturday in Athens. Pop by and see us at the UGA Bookstore. We'll put you on air for the Dog Nation post game show and talk to you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll see you then, everybody.